In this comic book is a love story, a boy and girl in love. They get married, and after an offensively lurid description, illustrated, of course, of the couple's wedding night, the book shows how the bride murders her husband by chopping his head off with an axe. effect of these comic books on the children. Uh, all of our testimony from psychiatrists and uh, children themselves uh, show that it's uh, very upsetting, that it has a bad moral effect, and that it is directly responsible for a substantial amount of juvenile delinquency and child crime. Hello again, friends and fans of Freaky, Frightening, and Fantastic Funnies, and welcome back to Four Color Fear, the podcast that dissects and inspects horror comics. Bob here, your friendly neighborhood cast keeper and curator of the 4CF Vault, and I'd like to welcome you to episode number 30. How about that? Another milestone. It took us a bit longer to get here than I'd hoped, but get here we did, and in this episode, we're going to take a look at Chamber of Chills. Number 7, published by Marvel in 1973. Now, if you have been a listener of this podcast, you may remember way back in episode 10, we took a look at Chamber of Chills, published by the often forgotten horror comic publisher Harvey, and serendipitously, if that is a word, that issue of Chamber of Chills was also number 7. But we're going to take a look at the Marvel Chamber of Chills, which was published in 1973, and in particular, issue number seven, and we'll do that when I get back, so stick around. Here's the Partridge family. Hi there. If you need me, I'll be in the kitchen, reading Snake Man. You're a midget in a kid's suit. We're a very close family. I'm suffering. We don't seem to be getting anywhere. But we love each other very much. The Partridge family. They're right here every week on ABC. Trust me. Although they didn't know it at the time, that 1973 Partridge Family season promo would be the promo of their final season. For some reason, ABC had moved it from its 8.30 spot on Friday nights to Saturday night at 8 p.m. up against All in the Family, and it just didn't have a prayer, and it would be canceled after a summer of reruns in August of 1974. But back to uh, 1972-73, Friday nights on ABC, I mean, that was a powerhouse, at least as far as kids I knew, and probably everybody. I mean, you had the Brady Bunch, the Partridge Family, Room 222, The Odd Couple, and then Love American Style to close out the Friday night. It's just a classic Friday night or any night of the week TV lineup. And, you know, I have to admit, although I was a uh, Brady Bunch kid more so than the Partridge family and was and am to this day a Jan fan, just like my pal Anthony over at TV Terror. I hope you don't mind me saying that, Anthony. You know, don't send your lawyers after me. I don't want to have to put the vault on lockdown again. We just opened back up recently. But anyway, although I was more of a Brady Bunch kid and a Jan fan, uh, boy, there was something about Laurie Partridge as well. Okay, enough of the nostalgic crush stuff, you know? 
Let's get back into what we're here to talk about, the comics. Chamber of Chills was a horror anthology comic published by Marvel from November 1972 until November 1976. It ran for 25 issues that were numbered 1 through 25. It was mostly reprints from Marvel and Atlas comic horror anthology titles from the 50s. Some were pre-code, some were post-code. And actually, this issue that we're going to cover, number 7, which is pretty early in the run, was the final issue to have any original material. Chamber of Chills number 7 has a cover date of November 1973 and a cover price of 20 cents. And the cover layout, across the top we get the Marvel Comics Group Bar, which is a standard Marvel Comics layout item from the 70s. At the right end of that we have the Comics Code Authority seal. And uh, the Chamber of Chills in a stylized font in the upper third. And the cover art depicts a man who appears to be a hunter. He's in the jungle, he has a pith helmet on, and he's yelling, Wielden, where the devil are you? Get back here and help me track down that werewolf. And we see in the foreground, in front of a tree, we see a werewolf who has probably Wilden, who he has just uh, apparently mauled. And in the lower right corner, in a insert, we get a title, Prey, that's P-R-E-Y for keeps, which is probably a title of one of the stories inside. Uh, just some great artwork from Ron Wilson on pencils, Mike Esposito on inks, and letters by Mori Kuramato. Now inside the book, Chamber of Chills number 7 has 36 pages with three comic stories and no text story. The first comic story titled Death Notice is a reprint from Mystic number 10 published by Marvel in 1952 and it concerns an obituary writer who finds out that he has the power to cause the deaths he writes about before the people die. That's followed by the cover story Pray for Keeps which is the only original story in this book and the final original story to be featured in Marvel's Chamber of Chills and that's about a big game hunter who is lured to a remote jungle outpost by his rivals, who plan to have their revenge by hunting him. And to close out the book, we have the story, I Am the Prisoner of the Voodoo King, which is a reprint from Journey into Mystery, published by Marvel, and that's Journey into Mystery number 82, published by Marvel in July of 1962. And that's about a criminal being brought to prison from a jungle outpost who escapes into the jungle. So that's a brief synopsis of our stories in Chamber of Chills number 7. When I get back, we'll dig deeper into our featured story. I'll see you on the other side. There wasn't enough room in Toyland to escape the terror that rocked Baby's Cradle. I notice you call him Baby, and the case history doesn't show any other name. What is his real name? Just Baby. To Baby, life was not a giant playpen. It was a living hell. He wasn't allowed to walk, he wasn't allowed to talk, but he was capable of it. Baby is a full-grown man trapped by three women with no way out. talking about that circus. Mm-hmm. They wanted to put him in a sideshow. We should have said yes. 
calling your brother a freak. No, Mama. I just thought it'd be better that way. Three, four, close the door. I just wanted to face you one more time to tell you that you're sick. You're the one who needs help, not baby. That's just so much horse. You want him for yourself. Well, agency or no agency, you ain't gonna get him. Because baby belongs to us. No, to me. He belongs to himself. He's not the subhuman thing you've made him. A Scotia International release, starring Angelette Comer, Ruth Roman, Mariana Hill, Suzanne Zenor, and David Manzi as Baby. Rated PG. Grown men in diapers and a cattle prod. What can I say? I know you're only hearing this trailer, but that's what we get in this. Uh, this 1973 black comedy disguised as a horror movie was directed by Ted Post who did a few movies with Clint Eastwood, and most notably for us genre fans, he directed Beneath the Planet of the Apes, but he also directed tons of television, including Rawhide, Gunsmoke, and another genre program, The Twilight Zone. And this film does have a feel of being a television movie, even though it has such a strange uh, subject matter. In fact, uh, recalling beneath the planet of the apes i always felt that that seemed like a tv movie as well and it's probably due to ted post direction this film you know listening to that trailer you're probably thinking oh god if you haven't seen this it's actually a pretty good film and uh you know it takes this very bizarre subject matter treats it seriously and all it does is make the movie even more bizarre but you get some really good acting performances and a pretty interesting and surprising twist ending. So it's well worth checking out. Uh, it was on Amazon Prime at one time, and it did make the rounds on cable and satellite uh, on demand. It might be on YouTube, but if you come across it uh, and you have nothing to do some evening, it's uh, worth a look. Now, our featured story for Chamber of Chills number 7, of course, is the only original story in this comic, and that's Pray for Keeps. And credits for this story, we have a script by Doug Mensch, and if you follow comics, you know who Doug Mensch is. Has a, a very long, storied career. Got his start at Warren, working on Eerie 29 and Vampirella number 7, both released in September of 1970. He would move on to Marvel Comics. This is actually his first published story for Marvel Comics. But while at Marvel, he took over and actually wrote all of the stories for Marvel's black and white magazine, Curtis, The Planet of the Apes run, and also Doc Savage. And he was a writer on Werewolf by Night, and also created the Marvel Universe character Moon Knight. He would then move on to DC in the 80s, where he had a run on both Batman and Detective Comics, where he would create the Batman villain Black Mask, who has been featured recently in the Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey film. 
We got art by Ron Wilson, who's best known for his work at Marvel in the 70s, working on the Fantastic Four character, The Thing. And inks by Jack Abel, who is a well-known inker who worked both at Marvel and DC over the years. Now, before I get into the story, I feel I did not do the cover justice uh, when I was talking about that. Uh, It just reeks of 70s, man. The color is just popping on this. I don't know who the colorist is. Uh, The Grand Comics database has no information for that. I do know it was drawn by Ron Wilson, who also draws this story we're going to cover. Uh, But whoever that colorist is, I mean, the colors are just uh, very bright and bold and scream 70s. Okay, so our featured story, Pray for Keeps, concerns three hunters, Furman and Welton and their rival Burke, who has just gotten out of the hospital due to being attacked by an animal on a previous hunt. And Furman and Welton invite Burke to their jungle outpost to brag about the trophy they got because Burke is considered the best big game hunter in the world. And due to him being out of commission in the previous year, Furman and Welton were able to win the uh, hunting trophy, and they want to show that off to Burke at their jungle outpost. Now, this story does not have a narrator, uh, you know, so our narration is coming directly from Doug Mensch. He's not writing through a character. And just to give you an idea of what kind of writer Doug Mensch is, I'm going to read the introduction. Tom Burke knows he should have never accepted the invitation. The heat told him. The mesh skein of dense foliage told him. Even the swarming of the mosquitoes buzzed their warnings. And his inane hunter's instinct told him that to accept an invitation to this isolated outpost, an invitation by wolves in sheep's clothing, could only result in deception. That's just, uh, you know, we're not getting any kind of uh, humorous, quippy tongue-in-cheek introduction or narration. This guy's all business, and what a great writer he is. But on with our story. So Furman and Welton have invited Burke to their jungle outpost to boast about the trophy they won while Burke was out of commission, but also to take Burke out of commission permanently because they plan on hunting him. So they hold him at gunpoint and tell him to start running, and he gets a five-minute lead and heads out into the jungle. So Furman and Welton follow, and they're following... Burke's boot tracks, which eventually turn to bare feet, and then they hear some howling. And Furman reveals to Welton that, you know, when Burke was in the hospital, it was because he had been attacked and mauled by a wolf. I wonder if he's become a werewolf. Of course, Welton is skeptical to that and tells Furman, you know, to get lost. In fact, he actually tells him to go slink back to the outpost. So Furman does leave. He doesn't slink, but he goes back to the outpost and he proceeds to melt the silver cup that they won to make a silver bullet. In the meantime, Weldon, who doesn't believe any of this werewolf baloney, is still hunting for Burke, and we come to find out that he is actually being stalked by Burke, who in fact has turned into a werewolf. We see that Burke is up in a tree, and then we go back to the uh, outpost where Furman has melted the silver trophy down into a bullet, puts it in his rifle, and heads back out to find Welton. We then see that Welton is attacked by Burke. He fires his rifle, and Furman hears the shot and heads in the direction of the gunfire. He eventually, this is Furman, eventually finds a werewolf in the jungle, which he shoots and kills with the silver bullet, only to discover 
that as the werewolf turns back into its human form, that he's killed his partner, Welton. We hear some more howling, and Furman comes to realize that he is now the hunted, having killed his partner for a second time, because he had been killed by Burke already, that Burke is still out there looking for him, and he's alone in the jungle without any bullets left. And we get some closing narration from Doug Mensch, and it says, The sound is more like the laughing of a hyena than the baying of a wolf. An eerie, bestial laugh which grows louder as the superior hunter approaches. And that's how the story ends. And we get a pretty interesting panel, uh, at least in my opinion, in the last panel, where we see Furman in terror looking over his shoulder and realizing that he is now the hunted. Just a... Great story. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, you know, I guess you could call it a morality tale. I'm not sure. So, um, yeah, great prose by Doug Mensch. And uh, even the dialogue that he writes is uh, not your typical comic book uh, dialogue. Uh, artwork by Wilson and Abel. No complaints there. And just a great story overall. And the last original story for Marvel's Chamber of Chills to appear in that magazine. That little tone you just heard is the uh, warning that I need to fire up the random comic generator, and uh, we're going to do that for next episode, so I'll just give the toggle switch a flip, and we'll see what it kicks back at us. Okay, we got another pre-code comic. This is Out of the Night, number 15, published by American Comics Group, often shortened to ACG, and that was published in 1954. And we'll cover that on the next episode of Four Color Fear, which I hope is sometime in the near future. Uh, It's really hard for me to say nowadays with uh, things in my personal life and my job changing, but, you know, I'm going to continue this and do it when I can. And I hope you'll come back and give it a listen. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can always do that by dropping an email to fourcolorfear at gmail.com. You can also visit the blog, fourcolorfear.blogspot.com. You can check out the Facebook group. Just search for Four Color Fear on Facebook. And remember, Four Color Fear is always spelled the number four, C-O-L-O-R-F-E-A-R. Thanks again for listening, and i see you sometime in the near future. Bye-bye. You can do what you feel Life is a Ferris wheel Come take a ride It's on the inside Where you will find It's all in your mind You take a friend of mine He will set on Then he got smart He He opened his mind And it helped him to find It's all in your mind It's all in your mind It's all in your mind It doesn't matter at all Who you are Or what you need Just take a look inside I'll show you
Papa. Papa.